Next up on the Renaissance Man podcast, we have acclaimed comedian and actor, Dion Cole. Coming up, I'll talk to Dion about when he realized he was funny, how he feels taking on a dramatic role in his new show, Average Joe, and what he's learned about grief and loss at this point of his life. Up next, Dion Cole. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, even your enemies, your coworkers, your siblings, your kids, your partner. Share it with someone you know could use some of this. Good old-fashioned tofu. This week's theme is every day is a new day. On this show, we talk a lot about failure and mistakes. You know why? That's because stumbling is necessary in order to learn how to be great. Use your stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. Because I understand in that moment, Failing feels horrible, terrible, awful. Losing the game is gut-wrenching. Messing up on something you work really hard for feels terrible. Oh, I hate it. You hate it. We all hate it. And yet, I'm here to remind you that your mistakes don't define you. They refine you. And there's good news. Every day is a new day. Each morning is an opportunity for you to try again and again and again. What happened the day before is yesterday. Each day you're alive and breathing is your chance to learn and be better than you were before. Always remember this when you're in the car. The windshield is far superior in size than the rear view mirror. Why is that? What happens in front of you is way more important than what's happening in the past. So use your mistakes as stepping stones that will get you across the water. It's that simple. Someone who knows about believing in his own abilities is my next guest. Dion Cole went from navigating the streets of Chi-Town to landing major roles in Hollywood and in the comedy scene. But to do that, he had to learn real quick to pick himself up from all of the obstacles that life brought his way. Coming up, I talked to Dion about what it's like finding comedy later in life. How bombing taught him not to take things so personally and how Danielle Brooks accidentally made him a part of the new version of The Color Purple. Up next, Dion Cole. My next guest stands up for Shy Town to the fullest. <laughs> Comedian, NAACP award-winning actor, and you've seen him in multiple roles in movies and on TV, like. You People, 
blackish, brownish, harder they fall, barbershop, and about to be in color purple. Can't wait to ask you about that. And there's more. Now you can catch him on tour and in the new show, Average Joe. And on every other commercial on TV, by the way, killing the game. <laughs> Which is bringing suspense, drama, and comedy to audiences on BET+. Plus. Who Tyler Perry just became the owner. Yeah. It's my honor to welcome the hilarious Dion Cole to the show. What up, my brother? What's up, my brother Jalen? How are you, man? Thanks for having me, brother. My pleasure. My pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time. And as I mentioned, the Midwest definitely in the house. Oh, tell what it was like for you growing up as a kid in Chicago. You know, same story everybody had, you know, no father trying to figure it out, make it around the hood, father figures, but, you know, father figures wasn't the normal father figures. You know how it is in the city. You know, your father figure might be pimp, drug dealer, whatever, you know, who's trying to tell you not to take the path that they take, you know what I mean? But still a father figure in a sense, you know, so that's basically how it was, man, just coming up and, uh, you know, sparked on this craft that I had and kept pursuing it and the streets allowed me to pursue it and here we are. And that's that's something that all young men, especially those from the inner city, need to navigate. I'm going to chase my goals and my dreams, but not get caught up in the street life. Yeah. And if we do get caught up in the street life, I've been in the wrong place at the wrong time multiple times. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you found yourself removing poor decisions that young people can learn from as you started to pursue your goals? Finding love outside of the, the BS. You know, that's what I think a lot of gang, like a lot of people who, who are part of gangs, gangs, I believe, uh, exist because of the lack of love at home. Mm. It's people looking for love, you know what I mean? And acceptance. And so therefore, if there's nothing in their neighborhood to show them that and they're showing them that, they're going to be loyal to that. So what I did was I found love in different places outside of like the BS. You know, uh, that's what kept me going and kept me out of a lot, a lot of bullshit, like basically and just trying to like, you know, just focus and, until one day I came, you know, a friend of mine told me to do comedy and I ended up doing it and never looked back. And I wanted to drill down on that further because there are so many young people who want to be in entertainment, want to mm. be in comedy, want to be in sports. And like you. I got laughed at when I said that to my friends, to the people in the neighborhood. When did you realize that you were funny and you had that talent? Uh, not until I was like way out of college and high school and all that. I wouldn't even, I'd never been a real funny dude like that. You know, people, anybody who even come up to me and say that, I'd be like, you was a fool in high school. I'd be like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't funny at all in high school. but. And that's why comedy was never on my radar because I used to think comedians were just, you know, pie in the face, you know, just always on. And then, you know, I started noticing other comics who were just like in the pocket where they wasn't doing that, like George Garland and mm. like Ellen DeGeneres and, you know, like even like Red Fox in a sense. Red Fox used to just stand there, cigarette and mic and just talk. Mm. He wasn't 
animated. He wasn't, you know, he just used his voice. And so, you know, I started seeing comics like that. And I was like, ah, they comedians, but they ain't doing all that. And so that gave me some type of like incentive to be like, yo, maybe, maybe I can do comedy because it was, it's always your outlook. It's the way that you look at things, you know, and that's what makes you, you know, different. That's what makes a great comedians who they are. You know, if you can have five people stand outside and see one car accident, five comedians see one car accident, you got five sets. Right. Sets and ain't nobody going to say the same thing about the same car accident that we all saw. So it's the same thing, just another perspective, you know. So since you, in theory, picked up the craft at a later age, based on what you just said, mm-hmm. who were some of the entertainers and comedians that you admired as you started to get into the industry? Well, I always loved comedy. I love. I watched all comedy. Red Fox and Richard Pryor and Moms Madeley and, and Dick Gregory and Paul Mooney. I, I watched all of them. I just didn't think that that was what I would be doing because I didn't think that what I had to say matched what they said. But that was actually the thing that made me was the fact that I did not have what I wanted to say the way that they would have said it and for me to say it differently, you know? So I've always, you know, like I said, Eddie Murphy, everybody, I grew up on them, like loving them. And then now today, you know, you got the great Dave Chappelle, who's, Mm-hmm. I considerably one of the best that ever did it, you know, uh, him and Rock and Wanda Sykes and you know, people that I admire, you know, that I love and love to look at and get inspired and want to write and get down. Is it true that one of the reasons you're doing comedy today is that somebody actually dared you to get on stage? Yeah, that's what I was saying. My guy, my guy bet me $50. Because like, I just, I never was funny. It was just always, I would just overthink stuff. And like somebody could trip and fall in front of us. Everybody would laugh. And I'll be more like, why wasn't they paying attention to that chair? You know, and want to ask them why they didn't pay attention to that chair, why they tripped over it. And so it took me, you know, it took me a while to, for my friend to, to see what my friend was talking about. And then one day I was like, all right, let's go. He bet me money and was like, let's do it. And I was like, all right, bet me $50. And I went up and I couldn't get on for three weeks. And then finally wow. got on and I was like, oh, got it. I was like, all right. Yeah. I always feel like comedians have one of the toughest jobs ever because it's your role to make people laugh that you've never met before. and. Yeah. That's extremely tough. So therefore, every comedian has a story about bombing. Can you tell us a time where things didn't go so well on stage? 1994, August. Chilly, chilly, chilly evening. Uh, Budweiser Superfest going on. And I had to open for it. And it was just horrific people was throwing stuff at me that shouldn't have been at concerts like golf balls and coat hangers <laughs> i'm like what are you doing with a coat hanger here like it was <laughs> throwing all kinds of stuff i was like yo it was terrible then i had to like wait around for my money because the promoter was running around the show so i couldn't just leave i had to be more humiliated by sitting around everybody and yeah, you you had those you had those nights, man, where you just you know, 
Actually, I just had one recently. When you're working on new material, like if you drop a special, right? When people see specials, that's the end game. That's not the beginning of, yo, here I go with some new fresh material. When you see that special, know know that that comic ain't got one joke after that special come out. And they (laughs) have to build and they got to build up and like get a whole new hour together. So while you're doing that, you're starting from zero jokes. So for every 10, 20 jokes, I write only like two work. So just not recently, I was on stage and boy, I was like, am I in here by myself? (laughs) 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 But that's the process. You know, people don't see that. People don't see comedians spend like years, night after night, working on material. For every every 10 jokes, you write two work, you put them to the side, you put them to the side. And before you know it, you got an hour. And now you can quit doing this. And now you're focusing on everything that you piled up. And then it's time to tour. Yeah, like being in the gym. You're working on moves all of the time. But sometimes they ain't ready for the game yet. Or they ain't ready for the fourth quarter yet. They're just (laughs) trying to get it ready. I I totally understand that. (laughs) And and I want to also shout out your new show, as I mentioned, Average Joe. Congratulations, brother. It's highly anticipated. It's killing the game. And it gets dark now. It gets dark. Yeah, it does. You want to be a part of a series like this? It's just, you know, a change of pace, man, and just doing something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to, uh, you know, do dramatic acting as well as comedy. You know, I feel like whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do it all. You know, like if I'm a barber, I'm not going to just try to cut black hair. I'm going to try to cut white hair. I'm going to try to cut Hispanic hair. I'm going to try to cut everybody here because if I'm already here, I would get money if I would learn how to be more versatile. You get what I mean? So that's how how it is. Like if I'm in this acting thing, I don't want to just be in it just for comedy. I want to really take a serious study, get it together and really give my, the best that I can do and get, and give them the best I can do and see what happens, you know, so. So I'm a huge fan of yours, and I've been following your career a long time. It broke my heart because you and I unfortunately had something happen to both of us recently that we talked about public, and that's losing our moms. Yeah. And your most recent comedy special, Charlene's Boy, Mm -hmm. dedicated to your late mother. Yeah. And trust me, brother, I feel your pain. I feel your grief. And it's something in particular as black men, we don't get a chance to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in whatever things that we're dealing with. What is something that you've learned about grief for this new period of life? Oh, uh, man. And condolences, too, man. Yeah, I know all about about, about that with you, man. Um, so grief is like... Don't nobody really know how to deal with it. And everybody deals with it differently. And everybody receives it differently. And other people that are there amongst the people that are grieving, they really don't know really how to, you know, really be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I learned through this process, the ones who stayed and the ones who left, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not being who I was. I come to find out that the way that I was was benefiting them. Mm. So if I'm no longer me, I have no reason to be in a life. 
because I'm not benefiting them. You get what I mean? And so it it was something that I learned where I was like, oh, wow, like I'm only good if I'm this way. If I'm off, then that means you're off and you really don't need me. And so therefore I I learned that through people like, wow, like know who's around you and why they're around you. You know what I mean? And and, and what purpose they play around you. And Mm -hmm. so I, I learned that. I also learned how to, you know, express myself without feeling like I'm weak or I'm soft or nothing like that. Just really like letting it out and come to find out it was so many people going through the same thing. You know, I remember I was, I was buying this car for my, my, my son's mother. I'm in a car lot and I'm sitting in the car and I'm crying, man. I'm just crying at brand new cars, plastic and everything. I'm crying. And the dealer guy comes over like, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, man, my fault, man. I'm, I'm, man, I'm tripping. He said, you good? And I'm saying, yes, yeah. man, my mom, just passed, man, and I'm trying to deal with this. And he just started crying. Mm. It was like, yo, and he grabbed me and he hugged me, man. And he was just like, man, like, welcome to the welcome to the 50 Club. And I was just like, what's that? And he was like, man, anybody close to 50 or in their 50s, that's when a lot of our parents start like passing away because they're in their 80s and 70s. And he was like, and he was like, and everybody that's around that age, it happens. And he, he was like, Man, I, my, he, he said this mother had died 10 years ago and he still ain't got over it. He was crying right a lot. And I was just like, and it just tripped me out when he said that. And I was like, wow. So I started doing some research and it was like a true thing. Everybody that I talked to was like, you know, for the exception of some, you know, but the majority of people was like around that age group and they all was going through it. And I was like, man. So I wanted to do this special, not knowing that I was going to do it. It, for that reason, but I wanted to do the whole, like like when I did that special, I did the whole routine without telling anybody what I was going through, because I wanted to show them that us as entertainers, we be going through a whole lot and they don't even see it, you know what I mean? And we have to put our stuff aside just to entertain them, and we're not complaining, but right, no that's what happens, so therefore I did the whole special without even mentioning it, mm. and then at the end I mentioned it and told them, you know, what that day was that I had did this on the day that my mother had passed. And just to show them that, yeah, I was rocking this all night. Y'all not even knowing that I was a whole tearing in me inside because of me doing this on the day that she passed a year later. And I just let them know that, yo, this is something that you all don't know when you see entertainers, get them love because you never know what somebody going through. Absolutely. And I'm sending you love and strength and perseverance, my brother. Like I said, I've been seeing your interviews. I've seen the special. I've been following you very closely. And the way you've navigated has been an inspiration to many of us who can relate to losing their mom. Especially, it, it, it definitely hits different for me. And you said it at the beginning of this interview, when you come from a single parent home. Man. It's the worst because that's all you got. You have nothing else. Everything that you do, you're doing for this person. You know what I mean? Everything I did was for her. I'm an only child. So so, so for her to go instantly, not a buildup set, just right. instantly gone the next day. That's like that. that that'll really fuck with you. And for anybody to think that I'm normal after that, is selfish, you know, for them to think like, oh, he's different. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm real different. 
super different because everything that I worked for was for this person and now they're gone. It almost feel like anything good nowadays feel like it's it's hard. It's like, like you can't share it no more. You know what I mean? It's, it's a whole different feel for accomplishments and, you know, uh, uh, everything. But at the same token, they survive through us, you know, no matter what it is, if it's through a password, if you put the password in every day, at least you you're thinking of them, their name is coming up. Or if you're if you're naming a car after them or a kid or a pet or whatever, it's you they live through you and, and you're obligated to to keep them living. And that's why I named my special Charlene's boy. Absolutely. And and again, it's admirable the way that you've navigated and will continue to navigate. I want to ask you about something else. So as hip hop turns 50, right now it's Black Music Month. Mm-hmm. Who are your top five Black artists of all time? Of all time? Yeah, your top five. Hip hop or just music? Music, hip hop, whatever. Because hip hop music is, I mean, yep. ju- different genres of music is different people. So. Right. Yep. Your top five musicians, period. Oh, sh- uh, I mean, Michael. Legend. Go. Luther Vandross. Mm-hmm. Big or skinny Luther? Big Luther. <laughs> with a little bit of skinny on the top of it like just a little 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 sprinkle of skinny on the top but no Luther Vandross is probably one of the best singers that ever, ever did it to me just and I, writers I, I always talk about his writing was impeccable it was, in, it was crazy I, I did I did some Old Spice commercials with Patti LaBelle and I asked I said who's the greatest singer ever Patti was like Luther instantly she was like nobody else I said I feel the same way. She was like, he was the baddest dude that ever did it. Yeah, like Luther. Let me see who has the bat prince. Mm-hmm. Crazy talent. Oh, man. One man band. One man band, right? James Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm trying to think, man. Aretha. Detroit. These are people, these are people without them. There will be nobody. Everybody else after them have been them. You know what I mean? These are people who set the trends for everybody. Even James Brown. There wouldn't be no Mike or Prince if it wasn't for James. Agreed. Agreed. That's a a great list. And as I mentioned, the sky's the limit for you right now. But at this point in your career, what's the best advice you've gotten from someone else to help you on this journey? Man, uh, I don't remember who told me this, but they was just like, continue being you because everybody else is taken. Mm. Mm. Preach. Preach. That's 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 drops the mic right there. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. So I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> and again, my brother, I appreciate you taking the time. But before I let you get out of here, Dion Cole, I got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. We in Chi-Town. Yes, sir. What's the best place to find a great restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant in Chicago? Man, one of of my favorite restaurants is a place called Batters and Berries up north. Man, dope, 
dope breakfast. Breakfast, I mean, like, we talking like, they be having like waffles and lobster. Like, <laughs> like they be crazy combos like that. You be like, what? Homemade, vegan, Italian sausage, chicken. Like, it's, they, 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 it's just always extra with them, but it's so good. No yeah, doubt. I got to check that out. So yeah, here's a good one. What would be your walk-up song? What's what's my walk-on song? Yeah, when you're about to come out on stage, what's your walk-up song? Like baseball players, they got their walk-up music when they up at bat. I used to like, I used to play Kanye, but I played it for like six years. Like every time I did a show and I just recently was like, I got to change the music up when I come out. Lately, man, I've been coming up on Tamiya. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Shout out to her in Grand Hill. I've been, I've been coming up on some slow songs, man. Like, oh. Calling well, like calm before the storm. You know what I mean? Like just flip, flipping it up too, just flipping it up, letting the audience enjoy themselves. The music used to be for me, but now I make the music for the audience. How did you respond when you knew that you were gonna be in color purple? Man, let me tell you a wild story though. I'm gonna tell you a wild story, okay? I ain't never told no nobody this neither at all. I was um I was Danielle Brooks, that's my baby. Love Danielle. Shout out to Danielle. She's in a movie, a fantastic actress, one of the best to do it, whatever. Me and her good friends, whatever. And uh we had just had dinner out in New York. We went to go see the Michael Jackson Broadway play, right? Her husband, her, my guy Cootie, me, is a whole bunch of us. We all uh, go eat afterwards. And we all celebrating her to go do the color purple. We was very happy for her and everything. And, you know, she goes off or whatever. And so I go home. A few weeks later, I'm sitting at home and she calls me and goes, oh, I can't wait to hug you. And I was like this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, where you at? Because I'm thinking like, she must be thinking when I go right. on Right. I'm like, where you at? She like, I'm down to Savannah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I got Savannah on the on the schedule, but but okay, cool, you know. And she just like, yeah, man, I can't wait to see you. This is gonna be great. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, so what's in Savannah? She's like, you know, be down here shooting. She was like, she's like, when you get here. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming there. I said for a show. She was like, no, aren't you, aren't you in the movie? And I was like, the color purple, no. No, I'm not in the color. What are you talking about? She was like this. No, she was like, oh, well, I was I was in the office today, and I and she said, well, I saw your face on the, but it got like a vision board, and your face was up there, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just talking, I I don't know. She was like, anyway, all right, I love you, bye, and I was just like, dang, and then about. Two days later, I called my manager and just told her the conversation we had. My manager was like, yeah, we have been talking to them for a while, but we don't like coming to you with stuff until right. we know exactly what's happening or whatever. But maybe, maybe it's going to happen. And I think right after that, they wow. called was like, yo, we want you to come rock. And I just could not believe it. But when she said that, I she lost her mind. I was like, the, the color purple? That's classic. Oh, I know you can't give no spoilers, but like, Tell, tell us something we can look forward to. You can look forward to a whole different type of feel. This ain't the this ain't the old color purple. Know that. This, this color purple ain't your mama's color purple. It ain't our old school color purple. This is a whole different color purple, a whole different outlook, and everything going on. What you're going to see is something that you've never seen before in cinema. I guarantee mm. 
lay that that brother bliz the director bliz shout out to bliz shout out to him now that brother is on another page the way he put this together is something else man shout out to Oprah winfrey and shout out to steven spielberg too man about the movies like ink man it's like something you've never seen and, I, and i'm not just hyping this up like it really is and so like i'm not like throughout the whole thing or whatever but you know i got like a, 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 a role that's like significant to the movie but i'm not like throughout the whole shit like that at all but everybody in it is incredible, incredible. So can't wait to check it out and lastly but certainly not least you're on tour where you're doing shows what can fans expect when they come to one of your shows and first of all go to dionco.com get your tickets i'm gonna be coming out to city near you i got a new tour called my new normal tour. I want everybody to come out, come check it out, come check out the new material. You know, I always come with new material. That's one thing that I try to pride myself on. If I'm coming to your city, I'm coming with at least about 80%, 85, 90% brand new material. I do some favorites for the people that want to hear that, but it's always 80% higher new material that I'm, that I'm doing that you definitely want to come out. Everybody come on out. Let's hug each other. Let's, man, let's talk it out. And let's just embark on this new life that we have and these new opportunities. Yep. Well, so I'm coming to support you, my brother, for oh, sure. I got you, Jay. Come through. Come you let me know. Come, man. Yo. Come kick it. I got you, brother. Love, I appreciate love. it. I appreciate you taking the time. And thank you for sharing your platform, my guy. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank Dion Cole for stopping by the podcast. And make sure you check out his new show on BET Plus, Average Joe, which is out right now. One thing that stuck out to me about Dion is how he's given himself the time and the grace to heal after losing his beloved mother. I understand his pain and know it's not easy for any of us when you lose a parent or a loved one. But he's right. It's up to us to keep their names and their legacies and their memories alive. Keep talking about them and say their names out loud. So I ask you this, who was someone in your life whose memory you are keeping in your heart? Whoever they are, just remember, everything you love deeply in life will eventually become a part of you and follow you on your journey. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.